0: On today's episode, Dave interviews Michael Boatman. Michael is an actor, a voiceover talent, and an author. He was only one of two actors to be in every episode of *Spin City*. He was also in HBO's Arliss, *Anger Management*, *China Beach*, and it's currently in *Instant Mom*. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Tried to cook while while we were dating. We're just so disastrous, and of course, you got <laughs> this, you got this comparison going in your head because it's not going to be as good as what she makes, you know. And it wasn't, and it was, and she sort of very gently always said, you know, you should never try cooking again.
1: Oh, she stopped you from cooking. <laughs> Can you guys cook well, together? Well, she loves or? to cook.
0: No, is her kitchen. You? It's her way or the highway. See, for me,
1: much. when I was married, my wife and I would fight in the kitchen, but we didn't need a kitchen to fight. We got fight
0: anyway. I'm still married, and that's the case. How long have you been
1: married? 21 years. Jesus.
0: 21 years, my friend.
1: 93?
0: Uh, 90. Yeah,
1: 92. 92. 92. I got so, married in 94. I was married for 14 years. Okay. Wow. A long time it's nice. isn't it a long, long time
0: it is it isn't it, it is and it isn't you know i mean it's the kind of thing where i look and i i, I sort of I'm, I'm sure a lot of people experience this i sort of look and i think about you know the past college days or whatever and right. when i do the numbers in my head i go wow that's you know that's a long time it's mm-hmm. you know, 30 years or something since i was in college and you know 21 years i've been married right. but it's in, in my head, it doesn't seem like that long.
1: You, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I keep mm-hmm. checking this thing because i got to check this thing. Um, mm-hmm. You were on Spin City for the entire season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You and, you and Richard, life. right? Yep. Richard Cotton. And mm-hmm. the reason I'm saying that is that's another thing where you go, how long, how many years was that?
0: Yeah, it was six seasons.
1: Six seasons. Yeah. That's yeah. all? Yeah. It seems longer. Yeah. I think but then because again, it's... I'm, I want to say, talk about, we're talking about yeah. time here yeah. and time out here yeah. means nothing to me.
0: Yeah. I lived in LA. I mean, I live in New York now, but I lived in LA when I got out of college. I live in Westchester County, mm-hmm. the town of Ossining. Actually, the town of Newcastle, which is a little, my kids all go to Ossining schools. Mm-hmm. Um, Ossining is famous because it has, um, it's it's where Sing Sing is, the famous prison of Sing Sing. Right. So when people used to say in those old, you know, gangster movies about, oh, you're going up the river, you're going to the big house, that's where they were talking about going. Now, you wouldn't think that that would attract uh people who are interested in their property values but it's really weird how the neighborhood is so it's kind of completely set off from the prison because it's right on the hudson river which is why they used to say you're going up the river you're going up the hudson Oh, yeah it's like famous you know famous movies and famous inmates i think even guys that are there i don't know who now because it's there's this weird sort of denial from the kind of the middle class population of, of, of know, the what? town. Did... That there is this huge, world famous, high security prison three blocks away from where all my kids go to school. You would never know it because it's this nice little suburban right. community and every and the kids why, and beautiful Halloween in the fall and it's gorgeous, the New York color. And then there are serial killers three blocks away.
1: I've worked in prisons for a year doing theater in prisons. Oh, you know what? I know that about you. Yeah. I know and, that about you. And so when I think about the prisons... Because uh, I know Joliet is in uh-huh. and it's it's kind of in a neighborhood. Yeah, you know it's a city. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, right around there. Um, I've been to Rikers Island, which is just a hor- it's an island, so it's horrible. Alcatraz, yeah. of course, is horrible. But yeah, you got all these other little places, and because it, if you're going to think about it, the neighborhoods around prisons are going to be some of the fu- the safest neighborhoods. Absolutely, so they're going to be really, really. Oh safe.
0: yeah, the, the So
1: you you bought a house. How long did you have a house? Why did wait? First of all, let me go back. Let's yeah. go back and just say you. Uh, you, 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 uh, you never liked LA. I loved LA. Uh-huh. I loved LA.
0: I moved to LA um, in 1988. I got out of college in '86. My very first showbiz job was a film called Hamburger Hill, right. which we filmed in 1987.
1: Did you Did you come out here and got that, or you? No, got I, that I was in
0: still in Chicago. When right. I got
1: that job, I auditioned. I was working for Jane Brody. I don't know right. if you remember Oh yeah, the I know casting Jane. director Jane. Oh, Brody. that was the casting director. Because yeah. I read something that says, and you worked for a casting director. Yeah, and you it worked for one of, one of the Janes. One of the Janes. One of the Jane Alderman, Jane Brody.
0: I remember those Jane Heights. Jane Heights. I don't remember that. Name. Yeah, I think it was Jane, Jane Heights. Heights. Really? Yeah. yeah. And there was an agent that
1: was a Jane, too. Wasn't yeah. there like a big agent? Like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. I don't remember the agency. It was well, her wait, age. but you, you did say Jane Alderman, right? Jane Brody. That's who I worked for. But I remember Jane Alderman. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But um, I left Chicago after I got uh, Hamburger Hill and moved to New York because I'm of the generation that believed that, you know, being a theater actor and, you know, being a drama major in school and all that stuff, that that's what actors did. You went to New York. I didn't, right. L.A. for me wasn't even on the map originally because I didn't think that that was a place that actors went. I thought actors went to places where they did theater.
1: Because you were a theater guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't know anybody that was not a theater person.
0: Absolutely. It wasn't even, people ask me to this day how, how I could sort of make that kind of mental split in my mind. But for me, I think I grew up, I mean, where I grew up on the south side of Chicago, working class, what you know, family. Area? In the south side, 76 in Halstead, in that area. And it was working class, great neighborhood, right. I had great, what I think of as a sort of normal the, just the, I
1: lived the opposite. I lived, uh, I lived at Pratt, which is like 7, 68, 7200 north.
0: Yeah, on the south side. On the north side. On the north, north side. side yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: So you lived over there. And yeah. That's what was, you knew. T-
0: t- yeah, totally a working class sort you didn't of life. did go to school? No. Mm-hmm. No. There were tons of them around right. in Chicago. But Especially that neighborhood. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. But there were no people in the arts in my family. There were no people in the arts in my that neighborhood happen? that I knew of.
1: How did you get how did you do that? I I So what's, what's the first thing that you remember where you go, Oh, people do that I could do that?
0: I remember exactly what it was. It was of course you do. by the time I was I started doing um, theater in high school on a dare to meet a girl. Which I school? Is such a stupid stereotype. No thing man, say, no but, man, know, no no what I hear. I all think the time. most
1: of the people I think most people get involved
0: with yeah. sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that makes perfect sense. Right? I had had about two. I'm sorry, what high school did you I went to Calumet Got freshman it. year, mm-hmm. and then we moved. My mom moved us out to the Burbs. I went to, out to a small suburb out there called Harvey, Illinois. Yeah, yeah I know. It was Thornton Township High School. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, there was Thornton, Thorn Ridge, Thornwood, Thorn Wood, right. Thornton South, Thornton Fractual, all these thorns. And, um, I had, it was very, one of these weird sort of kismet type stories because Mm -hmm. I had had no interest in theater or performing of any kind, public speaking, any of it. What were you into? Science. I was a science nerd. I loved space. I love, my my dream. Yeah. Still, I'm fascinated by Mm -hmm. cosmology and things like that. But also I'm fascinated by, you know, biology, the oceans. And I had told myself at the time I grew up, I Remember, I really, I wanted to have a career in the sciences. Uh, did you want
1: to be an astronaut?
0: Of course. Yeah, sure, sure. Of course I did. I think every kid at some point wants to be, or certainly of our generation, you know, wanted to be an astronaut. But it wasn't so much the astronaut. I mean, for me, it was this idea of space and the, the sort of infinite unknown that it was. It still is. But then, I mean, gee, there was nothing. This is before, you know, Cosmos and Carl right. Sagan and all that stuff started right. making it kind of hip to be interested in this stuff. And So I had this idea that I was going to be a marine biologist or an astronomer or something like that. And um, when I moved out to the suburbs, and I was a bookish kid. I loved reading and I loved, um, I actually loved science, but I was horrible in math, horrible Were you a good student? I was a good student until I got to be about... Fifteen. when we moved out to the Burbs did
1: you have I'm, I'm going to just yeah. keep peppering yeah. you with questions okay. uh, did you have siblings I
0: did I have, I have one sister who's younger and a brother who's mm-hmm. also younger so there were three of us but um I uh, we moved out and um I remember I had to take this sort of entrance exam to get into the high school where I um, that I would later graduate from and you go and you take you know, all your tests and your aptitudes and ineptitudes and uh in a very weird kind of way, the guy who would be my guidance counselor for about the next year or two saw my scores and said, oh, you know, look at these this reading score your spelling. Oh, all of my language-related skills were really, really high. My math scores were horrible. And he said to me, this guy was a Texan, uh, cowboy boots. I remember he has since passed away, but I absolutely remember. He's one of those, it's one of those sort of, fork in the road moments in every life that I don't think you know you're having when you're a kid. But you look back and you go, oh, yeah, that was the moment when I decided or when this happened. Right. And he looked at my, my test scores and he asked me, what do you want to do? So what do you want to do with your life, young man? And I said something like, oh, I want to be a marine biologist. I want to be in the sciences. He went, not with these math scores. Oh, you crushing. need to go to the military or trade school. And that was it. You know, he didn't say it with sort of a not with these math scores. Let's see what we can do to, you know, help you he out. He just He pulled the rug out yeah. from under yeah. you. And because I think I was, um, I didn't come from a a, 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 what's the term? I didn't come from a combative or confrontational family. You
1: weren't, but it's not about your family. It's about you weren't confrontational. I was not. I was right? not. I because was your absolutely. family could be whatever it is that right. you want. That's true.
0: Right. And I was not a, a confrontational guy at all. Right. And so here's this figure in my new high school and, this, you know, suburban kind of what seemed to me then fairly idyllic surroundings. And, you're,
1: and you're new. And so yeah. all this is like about, about you fitting in. And yeah, like
0: absolutely. Right. Right. And this guy's telling me that I can't have a career in the sciences and that I, in fact, should go to the military. And, if, and anyone who knows me knows that apart from being non-confrontational, I'm absolutely non-violent. Right and uninteresting. I think wrestling? that both
1: those go hand in hand. Well, exactly. Yeah.
0: And so I believed him. And I accepted that and just thought, well, my destiny has been set and now I have to figure out what trade school I can go to.
1: Wow, like how you so like you're 15 yeah, and you said 14 my something like that. I really And I how did. many how many kids think that? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's it's become some, a little of a, a mission of mine in later years to sort of Fight against that, and and, and, and for you so, or for
1: other for your kids too.
0: Oh yeah, but when I when I think of my kids being uh, categorized in that kind of way, I, I get
1: furious. Right. I was like, how dare you! It's but not, a, you know. and yet you you let that happen to you. Oh, right, <laughs> it was.
0: You know, my mom worked two jobs. I right. lived with my grandparents, and they were busy, and I didn't so want to you, bother you anybody.
1: Raised, okay. Did you were no. you raised by just your mom?
0: My mom and my grandparents. And your grandparents. Her parents. Yeah, uh-huh. I lived with my parents split when I was. Two years old or something uh-huh. like that. So I was sort of at, and I tell that story to say I was sort of at sea for about a year in school, not knowing. I mean, I had a pretty clear uh, vision. of no, no, no,
1: no, I'm going to go back. Yeah. I'm just going to go back just So just for a second, yeah, which is not going to be a second. So um, <laughs> could it also be that you did you because there wasn't a father figure at home, and yeah. here's a guy that was that was a. A mm-hmm. father figure in a way, yeah. saying, "This is what you gotta do." Yeah, and so maybe if it was a woman, it wouldn't be that.
0: you yeah. think well, it would not have been that, and subsequently, I know it wouldn't have been that because he left. That that guidance counselor left uh-huh. like a year or two later, and he was replaced by another guidance counselor who was a wo- who uh-huh. was a woman, and I'm actually still in touch with. Thank you, Facebook, who was completely who was the person who I wish I had. Well, I don't, but at the time, I would have wished. To have been funneled to her because she was encouraged. She would have said her name was Elaine Beard, and she's still around. And- right. She was encouraging and, and mothering and nurturing and all that
1: kind of Interesting thing. Interesting that I would get that. Yeah, Good for absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> but here's this guy, this
0: Texan, and he's a big right. guy with his cowboy boots, literally cowboy boots, up on his desk. And, uh-huh. Well, son, you got to go to the military kind wow, of thing, wow, and I wow. and I bought it.
1: I bet he said that to everybody. I'm sure he did. Because that's what Texans do. Exactly. You know, it's like, well, look at Science. you. Science. Who needs you got to go to the military. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you want to be a dancer, you got to go to the military.
0: But as a result of that, I kind of was, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know what I was interested in I, I in terms of what my life was going to be. And when did the, so so? were
1: you floundering for a while? Were you going, did you get in trouble?
0: You know what, I didn't get in trouble, but what did change was I started to, for me, act out. I was a shy kid. I well, was very right. I bookish. Yeah. Oh, act out. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I started to act out in the sense that Um, There were certain classes I remember taking where if the the teacher was, you know, you know how you bond with a special teacher and and that teacher that gets you and encourages you. And I I found myself at a certain point kind of becoming a little bit of a class clown Mm -hmm. in a very odd way. Like I said, I was shy. I wasn't a kid that was seeking a lot of attention. But if I saw something that I thought was funny or some pithy comment, pithy, whatever that is (laughs) in high school came up. You know, I had luckily sort of stumbled into a couple of teachers who who didn't bat me down, and the first couple of times I got laughs in right. class. Something, something happened. Right, right. And right around that time, you,
1: pay, you got. You, you were given attention.
0: Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Though I would never have said that I was looking for attention. No. I was but perfectly happy being solitary and with a book in my room. And
1: It's interesting, though, know? there's the evolution of our personality that goes where it is that we need to go. Whether yeah. you're aware of it or not at that point yeah. doesn't mean that it wasn't happening. Yeah.
0: yeah, it is. And it all seems very... Uh, uh, in some ways, destined. I don't know that I really believe necessarily in destiny, but there are there were weird things, signposts that happened along the road around this
1: time. Shiny object that you went I, that,
0: that, that kind of I running. yeah. There was something like I said. I still didn't have any outlet for this idea that it had, again performing wasn't in my DNA at, at all. You know, mm-hmm. as far as I knew. But around that time, a couple of friends, including this girl that I had developed a crush on. Um, I had struck up a couple of conversations with, and they both said, around you know, within about a week or two of each other, "Hey, you're funny. You should try out for the school play."
1: "Hey, you're funny." You know. You well, know. No. I remember my happened, aunt like, Jeanette saying to me, "Hey, you're funny," yeah. and I remember exactly where I was, yeah, and I remember thinking,
0: yeah, wow, yeah, me too. I can remember the three people that did this, and and around uh, well, the third being the girl in question, and when she said it. When I made her laugh in our goofy conversation, where I felt—I mean, you got to remember—I was—I was—I had the huge glasses, and people always tell me I look like Raj from What's Happening. Remember that show? <laughs> yeah. So you know, you know, I was not—you know, no Billy D. Williams here. There's a reference for the audience. <laughs> but um, you know, I suddenly didn't even think about the fact that I had been hearing this thing repeating in my mind. This girl who liked—who apparently liked me—that I liked. Who was a star in our high school? Was the senior class president? Was in all the plays. Do you know what she's doing now? Thing. Yeah, she's a radio personality in Atlanta, I believe. Uh huh. Mom, married, you know, kids. Mm-hmm. So, and then it turned out a, a buddy of mine who was a as a techie, you know, backstage um, was that was going to be at the audition as well, and he was also someone who had encouraged me. So I went to this audition. Completely blind, not knowing, not having a clue about what's happening, what's going to happen, what's to be expected. What was of the me? show? It was a horrible, It was not a horrible show. It was a children's theater piece called oh "The Incredible Jungle Journey of Fenda Maria," I I about was a just group of kids somebody. that get wandered that wander through a jungle and have an adventure.
1: I, it's so funny you just say that because I was just uh, Scott Adsit. Do you know Scott Adsit? Mm-mm, mm-mm. He was in Thirty Rock. Mm. He played Pete in Thirty Rock. Okay. Tora. Yeah. He was just sitting here, and we were just talking about children's theater. Yeah. And he kind of had that same sort of yeah kinesthetic response to it. Wow. You know, what?
0: Well. Yeah. Well, you look back and you think, you know, you you refine your craft to some degree, and then you look back and go, God, I was awful. I was awful. But thank it was God for movie. those
1: shows. Absolutely. Because nobody's asking you to be in a Pinter show, <laughs> right. you know? Exactly. So they're going, this is what exactly. you can do. And yep. nobody's going to give you, you'll get the Pinter show after yep. you do Mr. Incredible's journey of right. magic right. barbecue. You know, right. and you go, <laughs> right. it's so true. <laughs> you know.
0: So they, they, I go to this audition, I see my friends there, my techie buddy, I see this girl and I'm just, in, I'm just happy that I'm sitting next to this girl. I'm right. completely unconscious about what else is happening until the head of our theater department calls my name, Michael Boatman. And suddenly, huh, what? I, and she hands me some sides. read and I don't have a clue but what I do know is there's my buddy and he's a goofball and there's the lady that you think got a
1: little crush on the lady exactly and they're watching it she's watching they're watching yeah they're watching
0: they could watch you know right you
1: know you could right uh, right some
0: of those high school auditions and I wound up getting a part mystified what 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 is this
1: I still get (laughs) mystified when I get a part
0: yeah it's kind of a magical moment
1: and it all it remains one even for me but I I would imagine like the, the idea of the, the call where you said, you, where you were told, um, you're booked. Yeah. I mean, listen to that sentence, just that yeah. sentence coming out, you're booked. Huge power.
0: Huge feeling of power. And for me, it also, there's a very odd sort of phenomenon for me where that's all wrapped up in area codes. I, my life has been right. lived chasing certain area codes. Uh-huh. If I look at a phone, at my phone, and I get an area call, and I get a phone call from 212, which is right. Manhattan, right. 310... In right. LA, oh boy, that's uh daddy's getting the job, you know? <laughs> And even to a lesser extent, Chicago, which is 312, I think. I'm sure it's all broken up now, 770, 7-7-3. but, um, the, yeah. but the main sort of centers of media power, I, I look at those and I get, like you know, my mouth starts to water.
1: I get it. I, I was just talking to, because I think right now so much of our lives, the that which we measured things in has changed. And I'll tell you what I yeah. mean. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and we were talking in time periods of a bowl of, of I'm every week I make a bowl of salad uh-huh. that I have the entire week mm-hmm. so I will have had that bowl of salad for a week yeah. so if I saw you last Thursday then last Thursday was I saw you a bowl of salad ago okay
0: all right <laughs> yeah. I'm just
1: looking at that Got in it. terms of those sort of things yeah and yeah and when you look at, like, right yeah. now, but everything is so fractured in such a way. Yeah. We certainly yeah. don't measure shit in bowls of salad, but yeah. I certainly would like to do that. Um, but the idea of what does 310 mean to you? Yeah. What does 213 mean to you? What 312 mean to you? Was 773 mean to you? Yeah. And we get these things that didn't matter yeah. years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. Things that you suddenly, that you attach importance to. Because they're connected to your livelihood.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I hear. And your and your sense of well-being and all of those things. Clearly. Actors. Clearly, clearly, attach clearly attached to work. Or, but I think that also human beings are attached to as well. So, yeah. if I hear my phone ding, I'm mm-hmm. like, "Who is that? You yeah. know, texting me?" Yeah. Um, if I get a phone, I don't know about you. Well, you, you and your phone calls, because I don't. I I pretty much work by myself. But mm. if I get a phone call, I get worried. Mm-hmm. If I hear the phone ring. Wow. Well. Because I don't ever use the phone. Ah,
0: yeah, yeah. That happens. That's I'm more <laughs> traditional, I suppose. And if it's if the phone rings at one in the morning, yeah, you know, oh, what's going right. on? You right, know, It's but, not a job. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely not a <laughs> not job. A job at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no.
1: But I'm talking about like right now. If I go, if the phone goes off yeah. right now, it's right, right. What happened? What happened? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how often are you on the phone?
0: Hmm. I am not on the phone very much, actually. Right. I don't like it so much my wife's phone is constantly up to her ear really? and her phone is hot and it makes i go how can you use this because she now my wife is the power center that runs our house she runs especially when i'm on the road which i am right now and uh-huh. so she obviously is always in touch with what's going on with the kids and homework and lessons right. that stuff but for me i you have four kids i have four kids uh-huh. yeah. i'm not uh i'm not a particularly social person i've come to accept about myself the 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 shy bookish kid that i remember you know as as me has sort of you know i i'm certain i'd love to go out to a party like everyone else and but i I still have a little i mean sure sure (laughs) but i'd rather be with good friends and people i know and right. people i know i have things in common with right. you know what i mean right. outside of weirdly enough it may it's probably no surprise to you but sort of outside those creative circles and even and i say creative i really mean just actors performers i'm i feel anxiety to be honest Interesting. when i'm when i'm in a room full of people that i know at least and you know we're not on that we we share some cultural touchstones, you know. I feel like I'm with my people. Right. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I'm I'm sort of sometimes feel I'm still that kid, that kid that was you know nervous about being in a room with too many people or being in malls and all that stuff. Uh,
1: you're a reader. Yeah. You're an avid reader. For avid. I, I've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are. voracious. voracious as they would readers. say. Yeah. I for me I feel mm-hmm. like. There are so many times I would rather be home reading mm. than I would be out doing anything. Wow! Sure. Oh, I get that. I get that. Absolutely.
0: I, I finally I find myself having to make a conscious choice to leave, stop,
1: get out of my apartment,
0: right. go out, right? Have some sun, right? You know, go look at the ocean. Just do something because, I don't yeah, like-
1: I don't care about the ocean. Oh.
0: I'm sorry I have to say that. A lot of
1: people do, and people are like, well, other, "When do you go to the ocean?" I don't go to the ocean.
0: Uh, listen, as a, I mean, you grew up in the Midwest as well. I st- I see the Pacific Ocean, and it still, it it blows my mind. But any large natural body, I see the mountains when I live in New York, where I live upstate. My wife and kids like to ski. I don't ski. I sit at the bottom and I catch. That's right. what I do. I <laughs> they come down, I catch and the hand them hot chocolate. But the you know the the snow on the mountains or the forests in the Pacific Northwest that sort of thing. It's why people ask me, you oh, do you think you'd ever live in the Midwest again? And I said, eh, I don't think so. There's something about
1: the flatness. I'm, I think I'm inspired by the city. I'm inspired by artists. I'm inspired by the community of artists. I'm inspired by that thought, those thinking that the, uh-huh. the thinking of artists. I love being around that kind of yeah. energy. Yeah. I love it. I love being around people that read as well. Yeah. So because I do read so mm-hmm. much, and mm-hmm. I feel that. And, and you've written, how many books have you written? I've written three novels. Uh,
0: one published by a publisher, one independent, uh, self-published. Right. And my latest one, which is called Last God Standing, is coming out in uh,
1: March. Was that the one about based in Chicago? Yes. Yeah, right. it's set in Chicago. Set in Chicago. Set in Chicago so yeah. all those things I find to be, I find to be yeah. so inspiring. Yeah. Like, like reading inspires me because I'm a, I'm a, a as a, as an improviser, mm-hmm. as an improviser, my mind is constantly being fractured into a bunch of different places. And, mm-hmm. and, and this is being associated with that, is being associated with that, is being yeah. associated with that. And I would imagine that writing is pretty much the same sort of thing yeah. where you are looking for these, in, these points of inspiration.
0: I am, you, I am sort of fraught at the moment, actually, I'm I'm experiencing, I've been experiencing, I'm getting out of it, but a little writer's block. Mm-hmm. And I, I hesitate to use that term, but I realize after a year of not writing anything after my latest book was sold, and they're expecting a sequel, which is not due until 2015, but I, I suddenly realized there was nothing. It was just nothing dead. Just nothing. I had I had this idea in my mind while I was writing the first book. I thought I knew where the first, where the second book would go right. even. But then suddenly... I realized that I was waiting for that feeling of inspiration that struck me with the first book. Okay, okay. And, you know.
1: so, so, because I, I, I always, he, I hear of mm-hmm. this myth of writer's block mm-hmm. and I, oh, because I don't know it, yeah. I, I feel like it's a, it's, a, it's, it's judgment. Mm. It's not writer's block, it's expectation block yeah because it's not you, you can't be blocked by a writer you're yes. blocked by expectation that's very true and so it's your expectation block and once you're yeah. able to say it's that expectation block you're able yeah. to go oh it's just about expectation yeah. and your expectations are also what's included in your expectations are you saying oh while i'm writing this first book i know what the second book is going to be <laughs> right. you don't know that right you don't know that yeah. Yeah. all that you know is what you're writing and you're writing this one thing right so again it's not a writer's block it's an expectation
0: block. No, you're right. Right, it's it's true in the sense that um, you you judge. I judge. I judge ideas that come to my head. I judge. Right. I, you know, they're, they're, I have discarded probably by now hundreds of perfectly legitimate sequel ideas for the if you, for this book. Mm-hmm. And until I finally kind of came back to what I had originally been thinking, but I, it's like I had to go through this sort of clearinghouse for a year of. Of judgment right. and expectation, and right. part, and the expectation lies in this: in expecting the feeling to come back that will
1: inspire you to it's expecting that feeling to come back. Yeah, but that feeling you already had, I did. I There's I did. a new feeling, right? That it, and you don't even know what that feeling is going to feel
0: yeah. like because you're waiting for an old feeling right. to come and repeat itself. Which exactly, it never and will. just
1: as the love that you have for your wife mm-hmm. is the love mm-hmm. is not the same love that you had for your wife 18 years oh, ago oh yeah definitely so definitely not. so I, I i know that yeah. so that feeling yeah. like you can't expect to have that 18 that that feeling that you had oh, yeah. years ago yeah. to be the inspiration feeling or the feeling of inspiration, nor to be the feeling of well i don't feel that same way that i did for my right. wife i'm going to you know we're going to yeah. leave and it's like you yeah know, but
0: we get in trouble don't we by trying to hold on to or recapture something that's essentially gone
1: Right that, that, in that feeling, we know? surrender that thing yeah. for this next thing that's coming. Yeah. There's a greatness, or we that, should. <laughs> well, we shouldn't. If yeah. you don't, you know, if 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 the universe is telling you to move on your way, yeah. don't see, be surprised when you show up one day and everything's out of your locker. Oh
0: yeah, you know
1: where you go. Well, how the fuck did I get fired?
0: But isn't well, is isn't that, impro- isn't that uh, the the sort of core of improvisation too? Isn't is it, it just sort of being open within a structure that you understand to. What happens? Be,
1: no, I don't know that you have to understand it. Hmm. Because once you understand it, then you're bringing this thing in where you where you start to weigh stuff out in an intellectual way. Hmm. And the moment that the brain kicks in, yeah. you, you're starting to have that judgment. Yeah. What's right? What's wrong? What's good? What's bad? What have I done before? That's what true. haven't I done before? Yeah, that's and true. so the writing process seems to me yeah. um, to be very similar to the improv process. Yeah. Um, I... The
0: greatest moments of, for me that I can recall writing have been completely improvisational and those are and the, the reason I say those are the greatest moments be, uh, is because when I look back at those moments when I'm editing and the most gratifying feeling of not knowing where the hell did that come from Wait a minute! That's completely outside of any anything that I thought I knew and understood. <laughs> wow! Marks. And that's really
1: good. Right. Holy shit!
0: Right. And then you immediately set about trying to recreate that again. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Unless your unless your goal. Is to just because when I talk about when I'm teaching improvisation, I I will say okay I'll give somebody a note mm-hmm. and I will say we will never recreate this scene, right. but what we will recreate is the feeling of oh this is the, one of those situations that I thought, uh, this is one of the situations that I've been in before and what was it that David uh, what note did David give me oh just say yes to this whatever mm-hmm. it would be mm-hmm. so we're not going to recreate that moment yeah. but we will recreate that emotional feeling that you have that says I will troubleshoot this way. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Well, anytime you've worked in the theater, even outside of improv, there's there's that horrible conundrum that actors get into of, okay, you knock it out of the park on Tuesday night, and the audience goes nuts, and they love that moment that you've rehearsed for four weeks, and it's great. So you go and you do it Wednesday night, and it's dead silent. Right. And everything, wait a minute, and I did it all, and I I tried to. I held my finger this way, and I put my foot
1: to the left. Exactly the same, and right. yet it's. But isn't it also interesting when that doesn't happen, and you say, "Wow, that didn't happen!" And, yeah. And it's and it's that thing like you want to make God laugh. Have a plan, and yeah. it's that moment where you go, "Oh, I thought it was going to happen, <laughs> and it didn't happen." It's so true. Because. And yeah. it's all of that stuff and and what's again, I love that you said because most of the writing the moments that you've really loved with, with oh. writing is improvisation yeah it, because you're opening yourself up to that thing that you're opening yourself up to that thing that you're opening yourself up to that thing yeah it's true and
0: that thing at its most powerful is something that I don't recognize when I when I'm when I'm not in it because when I see it later I go I I don't even remember writing this I don't right. remember what I was thinking when I wrote this it just was sort of a blit out of
1: my fingers and isn't it because that you're thriller. not in charge
0: I, you know uh, you remember the film Amadeus where yeah. you know um, Tom Holtz's character talks about the fact that he wasn't they,
1: didn't they name him uh, Mozart they like did Tom Holtz's character? you may know that name <laughs>
0: You know this I love you said Tom Holtz's character. Tom Hulce's character. Right. You know in Forrest. I just Gump, wanted to get a Tom Holtz <laughs> reference in. I could have said
1: Mozart, I but like, I want to say yeah. Tom Holtz You know in Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> you know Tom that Hanks guy, character. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks' character. character. But anyway, Tom Holtz's character. But no,
0: remember he Mozart says something about, or maybe Salieri says it of Mozart that he wasn't writing so much as transcribing that something was coming in, and I am I am as non-religious as they
1: get. But it's not about religion. Yeah. It's about spirituality because what yeah. you're talking about is the word spirituality has the word spirit yeah. in, in it, yeah. running through it, spiriting through it. So yeah. it is it is that thing. Yeah. And when we get, and, and so the shorthand in a colloquial is get yeah. out of your own way, yeah. which means and let the way go. Yeah. And the way doesn't mean necessarily the way of Jesus, or yeah. the way, but the way being the spirit. Yeah. You've written it's three books, of, dude. And I not have, only that, but how many books have you dozens read? Of short stories. How many books have you read on, on uh, uh, how many audio books have you read? Oh, gosh.
0: Three dozen or so, right. something like that, over so, the years.
1: And in that way, you know, yeah. you're you're listening to other writers surrender yeah. themselves because it is a surrender, letting go of that which no longer serves you. This character served me. Yeah. This character is no longer. This character served me, yeah. and this character will serve me up to a point where you go, Oh, yeah. now there's this character. There's you this don't guy. have an obligation to that character. That mm. last, that first character say, served its purpose, yeah. which is to the MacGuffin that gets you to that next character, to the
0: next thing. No, it's true. And it's very funny how I'm thinking now about when you asked about the audiobooks and the writing and I in a very odd way I've I've said to someone recently, I think that my my career as an actor and my uh, I, my whatever success you can say that I've had, but my choice to become an actor in some ways was not a, I once called it a creative misfire, and that's not right. Because it somehow implies that it was not something that I would have wanted to happen. It's not that. it was, But I realized at some point that all of this is still storytelling. You know That the one thing that I can sort of pin back on my child self, my childhood as a kid, that, that, that maybe said, well, this was where this was all going to end, was I did watch things in Chicago like Masterpiece Theater. Right. I have no idea why as a kid I would sit there on the south side of Chicago and watch Monty Python's right. Flying Circus and was fascinated by it. And something about all of that and something about seeing, you know, Derek Jacobi in, uh, you know, it was either, I think it may have even been Julius Caesar, but like on great performances when I was in, you know, I just, something about those, the voices and the words, all of that stuck in my head. And so I think when the, when I, the acting thing began to happen for me. I must have been playing something out like that, but I think what initially attracted me was being lost through the television on the, in, in those stories right. and hearing those fantastic British actors tell those stories or you know live those stories. And right. somehow it's all at, at this age at forty nine. It's all managed to, and now I can sort of parse it out. It's all sort of connected to that element of story that I've always been because I've been a voracious reader all my life and now I'm a writer and I'm an actor and right. it's all sort of wild interestingly connected. Really.
1: I I totally understand. I'm I feel like we live in an amazing time and I've mentioned to uh, I mentioned to many times on this uh-huh. podcast. The amazing time is the the act, if for those of us who recognize the sense of curiosity. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it a sense. For those of us who recognize the sense of curiosity, we could not live in a better time. Because yeah. the access to all that which we wonder about yeah. is present and is at our fingertips and is attainable. Certainly yeah. for the middle class human beings here. Yeah. And and, uh, and and that's that's all that I can speak of. Right. And, right. and what that also says is those people that aren't able to access those things, mm-hmm. we have to make sure that they can get to those things. Yeah. Yeah. Because I thrive on that. Yeah. The fact that I know so much about you mm-hmm. before even coming at you, coming yeah. to you, meeting you, talking with
0: you. Yeah. It's amazing, I, I'm something of, I, I've written science fiction, I've read science fiction all my life, I love science fiction. And I do feel very lucky to be alive in this time when so much of what we're living in and was written about 50 years ago and the internet and you know, not even talk about going into space which we don't seem to be doing right now, but. but Oh, but well, we are in space. I, well, we are.
1: That photograph of, from, from Mars? of Earth?
0: Oh yes, I just saw that, yeah. It's amazing. But I love that stuff. Right. Because, you know, I have friends who hate that. I have friends who don't want to know anything about space, about what may be outside this planet. Now, a lot of these friends are religious, and I've and and I and i and I've been thinking about religion a lot lately because my book is called Last God Standing, and it is a comedy, but it is it's about religion and religiosity in some mm-hmm. ways. But what always amazes me about some of these friends that I mentioned is they don't want they don't want to know right. they're not interested and I go how can you not you look up you walk outside and you see stars and or a moon or a planet don't you how does your brain not just explode but and but isn't nope. but aren't they, they shake their but heads but
1: aren't that they, there oh it's so interesting that you say that because it just this suddenly hit me and it's probably hit a billion people those people that are getting their science through the Bible are using a book that was written. <sighs> what, a 1,000 years ago, 2,000 two years ago, whatever it was, plus, Take 2,000 years, years ago. ago, that is their current source of current. That's their source. And when we're looking at that, you're going, what are you talking about? You're reaching back right. 2,000 years to hold right. on to something that is supposed to relate to you right now? Right, right.
0: I think that it's connected to, I've had two very religious close friends of mine relate this to me when we've talked about this kind of thing. Any consideration of things, the things that I'm interested in, for instance, nature, the oceans, the planets, it makes them feel small. And this is from them, not from my judgment. They say, I don't like that. I I feel, it makes me feel small. And I go, what do you mean it makes you feel small? And then they usually then fall into some biblical verse about something, and it's all about what God and Jesus wants, and we're the head of God's creation, and that's it. That's it and i think it's 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 i think they don't like feeling small whereas for me standing at the like we talked about the pacific ocean standing on the beach and looking out at that ocean it just makes it all it puts it into a different perspective for me i go you know what there's a whole world out there that has nothing to do with whether or not i'm you know working this week whether or not my <laughs> wife and i are getting along whether right. or not my kids you know Cold is going to clear up, all the things that may bog me down. Right. And I come away from those experiences feeling like I just switched my brain out. I just rinsed it in, the, in a very clean river and shoved it back into my
1: head. I always have a window seat on an airplane.
0: Yeah. Why wouldn't you?
1: Why would? I mean. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. why aren't you looking out the window?
0: But so many people don't. And so many people, it's, again, it's not a judgment on them. I think it's your temperament. But you asked about curiosity. Right. And I think that's what, boy, I don't know what, where we would be as a race without it. I, Honestly,
1: We know where we were without curiosity. Mm-hmm. We know, I mean, I know where, I, uh, I mean, not for me, but you yeah. look at you, you, where, where it becomes, see, your friends who are saying small, what they mean is, it, 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 they, it's not that they feel small, it's that they feel confused. And, and when you narrow your choices down, hmm there's clarification there's but yes. and yet there's also something beautiful about that too the idea that the Buddhists say simplicity. there it should there's a simplicity where you say okay I go for toilet paper at Trader Joe's yeah all right there's one there's one yeah I go for toilet paper at pavilions are uh, you kidding me I right. want to cry I want to say stop it some <laughs> do you have a counselor here right. a toilet paper counselor that goes through the rows saying, can right. I help you it's like look right look right um but but I I get that, and yet there's something that says, "Oh, I want I want I want to pop out." Because if I'm talking to you and you keep referencing the Bible, or even if you keep referencing television, or whatever it's going to be, yeah. I'm going to say, "I don't I don't know what you're talking about." Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And those of us who are writers or creative people, uh-huh. I believe that everybody's a creative person. But I believe those of do us you? who are writers,
0: do you? I do. I, do. I used to think that, and I don't know, David. I'm afraid I, I, I do, at my core, still believe that. But ah, yikes! I, this is this this. I try not to sound like I'm blowing my own horn or your horn or anyone's blow your horn. Just blow your horn. Well, but I think there's a certain degree of courage that it takes to pursue a non traditional creative okay. life. Okay. Wait.
1: What did you say this is what courage? Courage. Okay. A certain kind now, of courage. When you said courage. Or vision? This is what I heard. Yeah. When you said courage. I heard and it's interesting because I've never put these two words together. I heard encouragement. And it's interesting because in the word encouragement is the word courage. Yeah, I never thought about. That. Wow. So yeah. what I think has what what I think has to happen, and this yeah. is what I think. I think in order for somebody to take that route that you're talking mm. about, to take the route, and I'm not asking, I'm not suggesting everybody needs to be Miles Davis. Right. But I'm saying that to take that route requires somebody to go. Do you think you could do that? Yeah. No. Why yeah. can't you do that? Yeah. Because well, why? Because somebody else does that.
0: Well, that, can't that was certainly the case for me. I had, I mean, our mutual friend John Mayer, and uh, other, uh, among many, many other people, at really critical junctures in my life that were absolutely encouraging.
1: And John Mayer is an amazing, yeah, uh, an amazing gateway encourager. He is um, not the John Mayer that is, right, not the John Mayer, that everybody <laughs> not knows, the <laughs> but not the singer, but not the singer. But he's a professor. He's a professor. Uh, 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 he runs. Theater department at Cal State Stanislaus, yeah, yeah. and he runs a summer arts program that I am part of, mm-hmm. and that's I met you, I met him through that. Right. but he is one of those encouragers. Yeah, and when somebody can take a look at mm-hmm. that, you know, if you're talking about a T in the road, yeah, make that the choice, yeah. he's going to go come here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Someone who says, and I give, I credit my mom for this as well. There was a point when I was at college, when I, I started college, with that in that most nebulous of majors, communications, sure, sure. which I, you know, and not knowing what the heck, what what does that mean? I don't know, maybe I'll work in television news or, I don't know, something. Um, and then was approached by another incredibly um, encouraging and pivotal person in my life, a man named Gene Kozlowski who was the head of the theater department at the time at Western Illinois University,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, where I, I have to plug my university because I, everything that happened for me has happened as a result of my time there. And, and people always say when I tell them I went to Western Illinois, they go, oh, Northwestern. And I say, no, just Western. <laughs> so I say just Western. But I did a ton of shows there. I did it all. I did the classics. I did you know, African-American pieces. I did musicals. I did so much theater that by the end of my four years there, I felt like, you know, very arrogantly, but I felt like, yeah, I've I've done Chekhov, I've done, checkup, I've done uh, you know, Moliere, right. Lorraine Hansberry, you know, I've done it all, right. quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I'm making quotes so that people can't see them on the, in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But Gene Kozlowski, who was the head of the department, was one of those people and, and really a big one for me who who sort of said, hey, kid, Come here. right? Maybe you should consider, you know, we'd like you to consider becoming a, a theater major, a drama major right. here. He saw something in me that I certainly didn't see at the time. And so you're right about that idea that here was another authority figure, unlike the first guy from my old high school, who seemed to know what he was talking about. Right. And put me in some really big parts very early on in school. And, and uh, okay, all right. right. And And my mom, when I went home that year, that summer, to say, well, they you know, they told me that maybe I should be a theater major and you know, maybe I'd be an actor or some kind of actor. I didn't have a plan to be an actor professionally. I thought that my plan at that time, even then, was that I was going to go to school and then I would tour around the Midwest doing regional theater. For as long as I could take it. Then at some point, I'd go to grad school, get my MFA, and then teach. That was what I had then settled on. That was what my, my plan and my dream was going to be. And my how, mom look thought...
1: How, look at how small that dream is. Yeah. I, not, not small, but um, I, I would say small. You and know, that's okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, but you know, I mean, the experiences that i would had up to that point, just at school, just on stage... In an improv troupe that John formed, touring around our town and our, you know, other towns Friday nights, drunks, people hurling peanuts at us, <laughs> but making people laugh. Right, it was it was it was it just got into my head and unwrapped or uh, things that just you didn't even know were there, and so this was it was a whole world. It opened up a whole world for me.
1: You use this word, you use this word, and and you used a word that was like it too, but I'm going to say that this word, you use the word arrogant. Huh. The, the idea that you leave and it sounds arrogant. Mm-hmm. But, and whatever it was that you said, just in regards to all the shows that you did. Yeah. Why do you say that? Why is that arrogant? Uh, because I don't think it's fair. I huh. don't think it's fair to you. Huh. I don't think it's fair to okay. you. The fact, and, and I, because I don't, from mm-hmm. what you told me, mm-hmm. uh, from what you mentioned about uh, you don't want to rock the boat, you don't want right. to cause trouble, that sort of thing. Right. I don't think it's arrogant. I think arrogance is, is your ego saying, don't give yourself credit because yeah. that is unseemly. Because huh. I feel like yeah. whatever it is that I've done, I'm going to tell you about it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Because you know
1: why? I yeah. love it. Wow. I love what I've done. Mm. And I've worked yeah. Or I've ha- or, or, or I've just been carried away with the spirit. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Because and what you think mm. that that's you apologizing to me yeah. for you saying how much greatness you've done. And fuck that.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. I always say that's my midwestern upbringing. But you know what? Tomorrow. But Even you're from the you're Midwest and you don't have the it's, problem. It's right.
1: Even you saying it's your midwest upbringing is yeah. is another excuse for you not to to say that. Because you're midwest, you know what? Because when you say midwest upbringing, this is what I think. That you worked <laughs> that you worked on a farm right. and that you and you worked I went to DeKalb. <laughs> right. You know, I was yeah. in school in DeKalb yeah. where it's corn. Yeah. It's like I'm not that guy. Right. And when you say Midwest upbringing, it's not Midwest upbringing. Yeah. You're from Harvey, Illinois, yeah. which is where somebody else is from. And I can't remember another famous person. Oh, from. geez. But uh... but you're from Harvey, Illinois. Yeah. You know? And yeah. in that way, if you want to take that, maybe that's more specific for you. Yeah. And then you get more specific. And mm-hmm. it's like, at the end of the day, the most specific thing that you could be is you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's no but there. So there's no butt. I, I keep wanting to assert <laughs> a butt, but there's no butt. But do I don't... think I used the term arrogant. Oh gosh, well you've really given me something to think about. Um, there is a certain degree
1: of apology. I know. I don't. That's why I'm saying I don't why, know why. Because when you say it's arrogant, you're apologizing to me yeah. for something that I didn't even. I didn't even even think of it as anything that that sullied.
0: Yeah. I suppose the apology is for whatever good fortune, and I've had a lot. And con- why are you, know, you
1: apologizing for good fortune?
0: I, I'm saying this is what I'm just boy. I, mean, I should fire my therapist and come here every Monday. <laughs> um, I don't even have a therapist at the moment. I need <laughs> but, one. But, but you um, just, no, you're right. You're right. I've I have all, and it's also goes back to something that I said a few minutes ago about feeling awkward outside of the circle of people that I'm comfortable with, namely actors and creative types, is because there's always been a certain degree of, you know, it's that thing where you think you don't think. I suppose there's that element in me that's always thought you know am i a fraud is this aren't you phony? done with that i am done really? with it
1: i am i am okay done with it. i am I okay am. but you're in for your good fortune
0: i don't anymore okay okay but you know the language that i that i've grown up with is is Isn't that is still it, those tapes sometimes still play because
1: because those language the language is architecture the language has ta- has yeah. has weight to it yeah. and the language is also has a shelf life
0: yeah well that's 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 true. I mean the 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 happiest thing I can say about that is getting to probably around uh, nine, so maybe I was forty two or three when I suddenly started to to glimpse that there was a possibility of not hating myself,
1: not not you know a possibility not, not, of not no, hating yourself. Well I'm not yeah. laughing at you, I'm just saying. So no, confident. I know, no, but yeah. not
0: not not of of. of you know, I don't want to say anything as, as sort of corny sounding as loving yourself. But, but there's another sure thing that you're
1: apologizing about. for saying that you're loving yourself I know, by saying but, it's corny.
0: Cause isn't it? No. That's corny. No. Oh, no. It's corny. No. It's Oprah stuff. My, I love myself. My, what does that mean? Don't you? do you? Mind I actually you. do. I know I actually you do. do. And that's what I'm saying. I do.
1: For me, I, I feel do. like for me. I feel like this. Yeah. Okay. I am my own best friend. That is it. I am my own best friend. And if I don't love me, nobody else can love me. That's yeah. one. Two. That's two or three things. That's a million fucking things. But in that way, there is nothing wrong with me saying that I love myself and my and and because you're like me, Mm -hmm. you spend a lot of time by yourself. And if you don't, and you probably go out and you buy meals that you shouldn't spend that much money on. But you know why you do? Because you like you and you want to treat you to that. Yeah. And sometimes I'll buy. I was in Toronto Mm -hmm. and I bought myself a jacket Mm -hmm. and a leather jacket. I bought myself a leather jacket. It wasn't that much money. It's about one hundred fifty dollars. And I brought it back to the hotel and I'm wearing it. Yeah. And I'm looking at myself and saying, look what I bought me. And I thought I shouldn't have, but I really like me. Ah, <laughs> oh, you really look, I really look good at it. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I'm talking to myself about that.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: But you do it all the time, but you don't yeah. know that you do it.
0: Yeah. I, you're right. I don't, I suppose.
1: And what's wrong with that? Because you're not taking your love for you doesn't take away your love for for the rest of your family or the world or no. anything like that. So the moment that I say to myself, I love me, and I say it all the time. You do. I do. I do. And you, I do. And you
0: do And clearly you don't. And I understand why you would say that. But I, I suppose I think I feel silly. I would feel silly. Who am I talking about? Ooh, what, who? Are self. You about? What self? There's no. It's but, just me. It's just right. this. It's
1: not so if it's just you, why not <laughs> you tell you because there's nobody else that's going to tell you that.
0: Right, right. Right. And
1: it's and it only is silly because I think society, mm-hmm. culture, certainly our culture and I know it's our culture says you can't do that. The seven deadly right. sins say it's a whatever, it's one of those. I know it's one of those. Yeah. I don't I can't think of it Writing right now. About but it's one right of now, those. Or, or you're looking right or yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know what we're also? Yeah. We're motherfucking blessed, man. Yeah. We are blessed. You yeah. are blessed. You yeah. work doing yeah. you know what job you got? You got the job of being you. Yeah. You you got that job and somebody thought that you should have it and yeah. you got it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And every once in a while you true. give yourself a raise or a bonus. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. And I'm not being cute. No, here. yeah,
0: absolutely. I never thought of it that way but you're right cuz it's not like acting these days is the kind of you know transformative method based thing that we grew up reading about you know with the you know where you have to speak differently I mean I don't find anyone other than Daniel Day-Lewis doing that kind of performing so you are on some level kind of always playing yourself playing elements of yourself across Everything I've done.
1: I well, you bring you Recently. to everything. Right. And that spirit that drives you and makes you look at or read and particularly because you're 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 reading a book mm-hmm. that wasn't made into a movie. Mm-hmm. And so you're reading this book and you're interpreting this book from the the world that you have around you, yeah. right? Yeah. And that world that you have around you is soaked in by you. By you.
0: Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, I think that I I have you know Grown up, I grew up with what would be called modest people. That's it. You know, people who didn't. You didn't. You don't make a fuss. The biggest thing I tell people all the time. I laugh about having having grown up in Chicago, lived in L.A. for ten years, and now living in New York. I feel like I've seen the big, the major chunks of the big cities. I mean, there's obviously tons more, but in terms of the culture, you know, Mm -hmm. each one of those cities is very different, as Mm -hmm. you know. And I've seen. The, the, the elements uh, of, of New Yorkers that Chicagoans look and say, well, they're pushy, they're mean, they're, they're rude, they're this. Or LA, they're fruits and nuts and wackos and all that stuff. And then the Midwest... It's funny that you don't hear those other two towns talking about Chicago. No, you don't. You don't. Know I mean, like, you know, right. other than to say how nice everybody is. Well, and I'm that's not sure who that's you sure. hear
1: when they're in front of you. They say that yeah. behind your back, they might. <laughs> go, you can't trust them. You know what I'm saying? You just right, cannot right. trust those Chicago people yeah. because it's the city of big shows. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's system. right. Yeah. But I, I damned what Obama. <laughs> right. Right. I, and I look at. I look at. I totally understand what you're talking about, and yet I feel like when I get to the airport. Yeah. And we're all in the airport. Yeah. I don't know where anybody's from. No. And I sit sure. and I will talk to somebody. And I won't yeah. know where they're from. Yeah. And the minute that they tell me where they're from, like, okay, they're fruit and nuts or are they the city <laughs> of big malls? You know, what are yeah. they? In that? Right. Because I don't know what they big are. Big shoulders. Right. Corn fed. Right. More whatever. Yeah. That – and, and – Well, it's judgment, isn't it? That's what you really do. Like ju- you talk about a really – and it's self-judgment. Judgment, we do it to ourselves. And I also – I look at so, so much – like you've mentioned – the Midwest a lot. Mm-hmm. I never call myself a Midwesterner. Ever. Okay. Cause I just don't know hmm. what that is. But then again, I don't say, well, you know me. I'm a Jewish guy from West Rogers Park. Like I don't want you to I'm I don't yeah. want you to pigeonhole me. Peg why you am like I that. right? Yeah. Why am I gonna have myself pegged in that
0: way? Well, I think that there was for me some value in setting myself apart or something. you remember there was a period when I started when I got to New York after uh, Hamburger Hill and that was 1988 there was um, or 87. there was still a, there was a little kind of energy of being if you were from a, an actor from Chicago right. it was great because Malkovich was from Chicago and you know uh, all tons of people you know obviously right. but all, you know that that whole crowd from Illinois State and you know, um, what's her name? what's the actress thing? Joan Joan Allen? Allen and right. you know, all these and Gary, um, right. yeah, Laurie Metcalf, and right. it was kind of cool in New York at that time to be an actor from Chicago. Oh, that's
1: right. That was where you Balm and was back there then. Was yeah. that was that I time? I think so. Or was it, oh, was, Balm and was there, right.
0: From um, Steppenwolf, was that yeah. Steppenwolf? Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. There. So I remember at also sort of thinking, oh, that's what sets me apart. I'm not a New Yorker. I'm not right. an L.A. guy. I'm the Midwestern guy. I'm... The nice guy and the nice black guy, you know, <laughs> all that bullshit that you just right. sit and you look now and you just go, oh, what a, you know, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I None suppose you, you really attain a certain degree though. of self-awareness when right. you attain it. Say that again. I think you attain a certain degree of self-awareness or you don't, but. Right. I, I, like I said, I feel like around forty, I started to really look at all these judgments that I had made about myself, right. you know, and about the world and everything else. And started to just go, oh, "I'm tired of all of it. It's just horseshit." And it and it and it prevents you from having the conversation in the airport with the guy, right. or not having the conversation. That's my thing. I've been happy recently to be able to choose not to be nice right. sometimes because I don't feel like it. Right. I don't feel like extending myself to this. Perfect stranger who, for whatever reason, but as a Midwesterner, as I used to say, right? I always had to, to be that guy.
1: You right. Know? Right. Because you're an ambassador representing a bunch of people who don't give a fuck about you.
0: <laughs> it's so true. Who's watching? Who's Nobody. Watching?
1: And who's watching? Who's gonna, are you going to go back to the meeting of the uh, Midwestern people? Yeah. Where does that, where does that uh, take yes. place? Yes. It's like, uh, but that's one of the reasons that I have uh, a, 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 a pass to the Admirals Club. Uh, uh, American Airlines because that way I could go I'm going to step away from everybody yeah. I'm going to sit at the bar get free drinks at the bar and
0: boy, I like well that. it's knowing you know an acting teacher of mine years ago literally now decades ago told me something very critical about that bears on this he said to me um, during a review process I was still in college and I had I was the a little bit of a sweetheart I did all these great roles and you know had won an award at the Kennedy Center the Iron Ryans
1: Oh, you won an
0: Irene Ryan. I did win an Irene Ryan uh-huh. Best for Supporting Actor that
1: year. Um, in what show? Uh,
0: it was scenes. I was it was scene work. I wasn't in a play that great. Went, great. I went of course, as a scene. Of I've judged
1: the Irene Ryan's. Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes.
0: It was a great experience. So I right. came back from that, you know, fifteen hundred yeah. bucks, you know, oh my god, and, and 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 this is this is my senior year, and so and I had done, you know. Prospero in *The Tempest*, and I had done Pearly in *Pearly Victorious*, and I had done Oberon in *Midsummer Night's Dream*, and crazy roles that I, you know. No wonder you're Eric. Oh, right, exactly. <laughs> but not admitting it. Right. And so, you know, I sort of remember thinking of myself kind of as as the a, a, one of those kids. You know, every college theater department has those kids. Right. I think those kids that you know, one of them's going to get a good role. They're going to, you know, and they'll right. be good. Right. And um. One of my teachers, John Tabinsky, who is no longer teaching, I think. I think he may actually be in Los Angeles. He was the dark lord of our theater department. He was the guy that everybody was afraid of. Snipes. Because he had no need to make you feel good about right. anything. He was right. the most critical. Right. You you know, in the acting classes that he taught, you really wanted to do, you wanted to please him. Right. And conversely, or at the same time, not conversely, if, if you pleased him, you also knew that you had done, you had stepped out of yourself in some Sheldon
1: way. Patinkin is that guy. In yeah, Chicago. really? Yeah, yeah, keep going.
0: And so this was my college review, it was senior year is the review you get before you go out into the world, presumably to work at your dad's you know, used car dealership, which some of the guys I knew did, but he, and we're getting reviewed, and I'm hearing these glowing reviews from the voice teacher, from the movement teacher, from my mentor, Gene Kozlowski, who was, just loved me, and I loved him, and here in the middle is the Dark Lord, and he's just sitting back, and he was a very intense looking man, bald with these piercing blue eyes, and just very, you know, and uh, he just, he, he went last, he went last. Everyone had their say, great, wonderful, good job. Maybe your voice working could have been a little better. Your movement in this was a little bit, Oh, wonderful. And he set his pen aside, closed his folder, and he sat back and kind of folded his hands in that classic way that I'm doing now that no one can see. And he said, he leaned forward and he said, you're a boy man. I'll never forget that. He said, you're a boy man. And I sort of went, who? Huh? Scooby-Doo. Oh? Huh? And he said, you avoid conflict. He, I mean he he uh, like they say he read you he opened the book and read baby you're a boy man you avoid conflict and you can't be a good actor if you avoid conflict because every character needs something and wants something and has to fucking move through conflict in order to get it and he's saying this and I'm now the, the tears are about to well up because everyone's been so nice to me oh my god and he's just but of all of those of that moment that Particular moment has stayed with me
1: forever. What's the takeaway? What's the takeaway?
0: Takeaway being that I don't know. Actually, still is it this the day, takeaway.
1: I don't know. Don't Dave. avoid conflict. Is that the takeaway? Well, yes, or, but I mean, is that the you know? Yes, for me. That's if it's so not,
0: easy to say.
1: So okay, fine. Then let's say this. What does that mean? If the, if it's not if it's not a, a you avoid if it's not don't avoid conflict then what is it that he's asking you to embrace? What is
0: he asking you to
1: do? Exactly. Because, Plunge right.
0: into conflict?
1: No, because I think he's asking you to live your life fearlessly mm. and to know that you are not in control of anything because mm. every character going into a scene, any character going into a scene, any character that you've written... yeah. Um, that you've read, that you've read aloud, is going into something going, I have no idea what's going to happen. But in order for that character to be someone that's memorable, you've got to say, they made that choice to Mm -hmm. embrace that fear. That moment, yeah. Embrace that moment, embrace that fear, embrace that unknown. Yeah, it's true. Wow. And look at all the characters that you just, you just rattled off. Yeah. All of those characters were about, not, not just the conflict, but what I call pressure tension and dynamic yeah. that pressure, them going into that thing, that, that dynamic of that character against that character. Yeah. That's you know? funny.
0: I call it pressure cooking, pressure cooker storytelling. That's exactly.
1: But that's it. And then you yeah. go, uh oh! yeah. And then you build yeah. it up again, yeah. and it's all about gas. But isn't it funny that
0: I've played those parts, and yet I I have certainly avoided... I mean, maybe that's why we become performers, is that you're enacting something on stage that you can't do or don't know how to do in real life.
1: But that's the whole thing. For me, when I'm looking at somebody going, what are the choices that you want to make? And how many times have I said to, a, to an actor, why are you standing there? And he says, mm-hmm. it's comfortable. I said, are you on this stage to be comfortable? Yeah. Or are you on the stage to be off-comfortable? And I know that that's not a word, but I'm just saying it's off-comfortable.
0: Yeah. yeah. When you're on stage, certainly to be off-comfortable
1: because that's what's interesting. Right. Yeah. There's dead center and then there's everything else that's not there. And where are you going to stand? And what are you going to do? And what's going to be comfortable? And have your fucking back to the audience and mumble if you want, Mm. but know that you're doing it. Because the moment that you don't know you're doing it, you're fucked.
0: Yeah. It's over. Yeah. It's got to be on purpose. I like that. Yes. I like thinking about that. This is all on purpose. This is all on purpose. In a performance or exactly. in a, you know. Right. Even in a piece of writing less so because writing can be more uh, stream of consciousness because you're editing. You're going to edit something anyway and yes. you're going to shape it and chip it away and Listen, to what you
1: saying? Get to the core. Listen, to what you are saying? What am I saying? You're saying you 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 got over the 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 block. Yeah, because it's all about because you're just saying you get stream of consciousness, and yeah. this is the same person that said that they're going through a writer's block. Yeah. but you know what you have to do. Stop calling it that. Stop looking uh, at that in that yeah, way. Yeah, sorry. You're right. No, you know, you're right. It's right there. It's you yeah. know what has to happen.
0: Yeah, you're right. I even hesitated to call it writer's block because I didn't want to put that.
1: But you've already called it. That. But I have and once you yes. called it, We're you get to look out. at it, and then you get to go, oh, I don't need that because that's not true. Yeah. Wow.
0: Whoa. You're good. I don't know. You're good, Doc. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's stop there. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rozowski, I'm Ian Foley. If you'd like to see one of Dave's improv shows or one of my stand-up shows, you can get that information at addcomedy.com. If you want to take a class with Dave, that information is located on his website at davidrozowski.com. You can also follow Dave on Twitter at drozowski. Today's episode was sponsored by Troubado, a restaurant movie, a new movie by Group Mind Films portraying an accurate, sometimes funny, and sometimes cringe-inducing glimpse at restaurant life. Troubado, a restaurant movie, available to watch in its entirety online for only $5 at groupmindfilms.com.